Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, with another episode of Man Bites Motherfucking Pot. How are we doing, gentlemen? The commander is in the building commanding the episode this particular time. Not as always, but this particular time. It's my go around. I'm at the motherfucking helm. Uh, how are we doing, gentlemen? Farrah. Really good. Really fucking good, gentlemen. It's um, glorious to be, you know, uh, back with you guys. By proxy, down under, across the oceans, uh, connecting once again. And uh, yeah, yeah. And I really love this film that you picked. Hadn't seen it before. They've heard about it. It was a fabulous opportunity to sit down and watch it. We will get into it, though. Reverend, how would you be? Uh, you know, I have it on good authority. And, and when I say a good authority, I mean the almighty God himself. That This is a wonderful fucking film. And it is a pleasure to be here with both of you again. I want to start uh, first off by saying rest in peace, Bill Paxton. I was, this is one of those ones you wouldn't think it, but I was, I didn't think I would have been, but I was legitimately bummed when I found out that he, he tapped. Um, he died in 2017. Um, actually, I don't know if you know this. He died the same year that Powers Booth did. Powers Booth plays the FBI agent in the movie that we're playing. We're going to right, right. talk oh, about. Shit. Another guy who is, He's one of those guys where everyone knows his voice, everyone knows his face. They can name yeah. six movies that he's in yeah. once you show him, show that person there his face, mm -hmm. but they don't know his fucking name. He's he's like one, he's a half step above that guy from that thing. You know what I mean? Like motherfuckers yeah. know that who this cat is, but they, they don't know his name. His name's Powers Booth, which is also one of the heaviest names I've ever heard in my life. Oh, yeah, seriously. I'm going to name my kid Powers. Uh, it, it's fucking wonderful. And, yeah, he is amazing, and he commands this role. This is the role. He is a character actor. Like, that is the character that he plays. And there is not a better character that he could have played other than the one in this fucking role, you know? Dude, go and, if, if you don't believe what Terry just said, go and watch Tombstone, and then you'll know what the fuck we're on about. Anybody that's a fan of fucking hyper-violent westerns with good fucking pithy dialogue, go watch fucking Tombstone. You'll know what we're talking about. Straight up and down. That was a perfect description of your man. So the movie that we're talking about today is we're fucking going on and on and on here. We are talking about 2001's Frailty. Um, this is um, this was uh, written by a fellow named Brent Hanley. Um but it was directed by the star of it. Well, one of the stars. I, I think it's fair to say that those kids uh, co-star in this. I don't think Bill Paxton is the absolute star of this. I think that those kids and Matthew McConaughey have equal mm -hmm. roles. 
Oh, uh, the kid that plays Peyton is the out and out star performance of this entire I, film. I can't argue with that, man. I mean, most mother they they sold this movie with Matthew McConaughey, which I'm not mad at. I'm telling you right now, this is my favorite movie Matthew McConaughey's ever done there's not even a close second and anybody that tries to hit me with days can and confused can miss me with that <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah oh sign um so anyway uh frailty 2001 directed by bill paxton this is also his debut uh directorial mm-hmm. debut and it's I, I can't speak highly enough about this i think you're going to be surprised about how much I love this movie. Um, I do see the flaws. I do, I do see, but honestly, I saw the flaws and went and watched interviews with Bill Paxton about this movie. And he flat out said, I would have done this different in this scene. And I went, shit, that would have been better. That's it was his first movie and he knocked it out of the fucking park. It just, it, it wasn't a grand slam. But it was a fucking it it was a fucking two runner. This motherfucker got three points out of it, just not four. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, anything y'all want to say about this before I jump into the synopsis and talk about some shit? I mean, the only thing that I can say about this is that, like, literally, the only reason that it's not as big as it is is because of when it was released. This should be right after 9-11. It should be up there with seven now. This should be up there with fucking usual suspects. It should be better. It's better than usual suspects. Yes. A hundred percent, man. It's this is a very usual suspects type of film, in that when you watch, just like you said, seven as well. When you watch this movie the first time, as compared to the second time, you are watching a different movie. That's the brilliance of all the movies just mentioned. But the truth of the matter is, Usual Suspects, I, I love it. It's great. Um, but it's it's clippy. It's choppy. This movie is very fucking fluid. You know what yeah, I mean? It's fluid and it's super dark. You know, it's like this right. is a dark version. Like, it, I, it's almost darker than Seven is even. You know, that like, yeah, it's a different movie or whatever, but the atmosphere of it is almost darker than what Seven is. Darker, but Seven's grimier. Seven yeah, is, a, sure. is a filthier movie, but this movie might be darker. You're right, because... This is, this is the spirituality of fucking Bill Paxton and of Texas, because this fucking movie reeks of Texas like a motherfucker, you know? Well, and Bill Paxton, Powers Booth, and Matthew McConaughey are all native Texans. So, yeah, it reeks of Texas in a good way. the guy that wrote the screenplay. He is. Yeah, he's from Texas, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't follow that. You've said it all there, but I will just add a little... um, Bill Paxton is an amazing actor. We lost a great human being and a great talent when he passed as well. Um, Because you feel for this father, you feel uh, for him as well when he turns with what happens to him. Um, It's the sense of reality that he conveys uh, with this type of affliction that overcomes him as well, which is 
makes this film the argument that the Reverend put out that it is darker than Seven because this film is, um, you can see this happening in reality. Seven um, is... It's it's hyper dark, if you will. You know what I mean. Um, it is still has this is uh, this is outside of reality. Yes, those sort of things do happen, but not necessarily in this kind of calculated sense or not shown in this way. It's too dramatic. This has a sense of reality to it that could happen to any of us in our family units. You know what I mean. And this could happen to anyone. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. And I will to 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 add to that. To, with the seven, with the seven reference again, I can't. I don't know why I can't let this go. But everybody in that movie, and I mean fucking everybody, possibly with the exception of Gwyneth Paltrow's character in that movie, everyone has long ago lost their innocence. Nobody's mm. innocent in that fucking movie. Everyone's just mm. getting through the day in the filthiest, grimiest scenario ever. Everyone. Yeah. I mean, even Brad Pitt, who's trying to make a fucking difference in a big city, but he's clearly a fucking, he's clearly a jaded, on some level, um, cop who's hyper-violent. And then Morgan Freeman is intelligent and wise and does care about people, but also doesn't think he can help. You know what I mean? Those are the best people in the movie. Everyone else they deal with, is a degenerate of the highest order. There's no yeah. innocent people in this movie. And yeah. Yeah. um and as Kevin Spacey makes note of at the end of the fucking movie. Also fuck Kevin Spacey, but still. Brilliant actor, but fuck him and his mother. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um what I'm on about is that with frailty you see a family that is totally innocent who clearly they lost the mother, they never say how um, and they are just trying to get through the day. It's just a regular Texas family, super wholesome, leave it to beaver level fucking <laughs> family. And it, they just grow apart in this religious existential way. It yeah. just, it, it, that's what mm -hmm. makes it so dark. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's, the way, it's, the, the way the, the world turns. Awesome. Innocent. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. The way the worm turns in frailty that makes it, yeah, that really accentuates right. the darkness of it. Yes. Right. So a few details about this movie. Um, I, I think uh, the last movie we did was, uh, what was it? Was it, Mur it was Murder Party? That movie mm -hmm. was like uh, 80 minutes. So an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes. This one's an hour 40, kind of standard running time. Um, a hundred minutes if you want to be fucking fancy pants about it. And um, it was the budget of this movie was 11 million. The gross was 17.5 uh, once. I mean, that's worldwide gross box office. So it did make money, but on, and it is a big Hollywood movie on some level. It's definitely not independent, but it, it was a labor of love. This is something Bill Paxton wanted to do. And in interviews while, while trying to promote this movie said, I loved making this and I hope I get to make another one because I mean, this is something he really wanted to do. Um, uh, additionally, this was shot in only eight weeks. I was actually surprised to find that out. This was a That's very a quick, quick schedule. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, to be fair, like, it's not terribly short, but 
a three three to six months somewhere in that area is kind of normal you know what i mean yeah for yeah. a hollywood flick with, with yeah absolutely. these are not i i don't know if you call any of these people a-list actors and matthew mcconaughey definitely is now but in 2001 i don't think he was no. um and once again, Powers Booth is that motherfucker that nobody even knows his name, but everyone knows who he is. Bill Paxton is kind of the same, really. I mean, mm -hmm. he was in fucking Terminator. He was in fucking Weird Science. You're stewed, buttwad. That shit rules, dude. Remember Chuck? Yeah, Weird dude. Science? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was in fucking <laughs> Aliens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, speaking of which, before I do the synopsis, in the movie... In the last movie, we talked about all the Warriors references, right? In in um, in Murder Party. In this movie, the two kids, this is 1979, it's said, and the two sons, the brothers, who are, I think, three years apart from one another, Fenton and Adam, uh, Fenton being the older brother, um, Adam wants to go see Meatballs, but they'd already gone to see this fucking movie, and Fenton goes, nah, we're going to go see the Warriors, the original script that um, Brent Hanley wrote had them going to see Alien, the original Alien movie. But Bill Paxton was like, we got to change that. I was in Aliens, the sequel, 1986. Like, I don't want to be, I don't, yeah. don't want it to seem like I'm fucking showing off mm. my thing. You know what I mean? He didn't want to Easter egg himself. Yeah. Right, mm. right. Yeah, there like, you go. Which, there you go. Be, which really proves the directing style that he had. It's very pure. And this is his debut fucking directing effort. And it's fucking, it's super pure. There's not any, uh, he doesn't have any illusions of grandeur doing this fucking directing effort. And he, all the yeah. lighting is perfect. He gets all the performances out of these people mm. that he wants. He does a phenomenal job at directing the script from an unknown screenwriter. You know, right? And he he also took the advice of numerous directors and acting coaches that he respected. James Cameron being one of them. Um, okay. James Cameron actually made notes that I will. I, I guess I can go into it later. I don't want to talk about it just yet, but James Cameron gave him notes that were all important to making this film as brilliant as it is. And it okay. was a very small note, but he listened. He listened to people that he respected. That goes to show you what kind of guy Bill Paxton is. He's not like, I've been acting. I've been in Hollywood for 20 years. I can direct a fucking movie. He didn't do that. He went, I want to do this and I want to do it right. And people came to him and he went to them and said, Hey, Look at this fucking thing that I wrote. Look at these changes I made. Look at this movie that I made. And they went, you know what? Maybe you want to do this, and here's why. And he went, you know what? You're fucking right. He listened to people. He wasn't so big-headed. I get the feeling that Bill Paxton was one of those, one of those people that's kind of rare in Hollywood that is that was a real motherfucker that cared about the the, the product he was putting out cared about his craft and what he's doing as opposed to I'm going to do this my way, or I'm going to do this and make all this money, whatever bullshit motivation for ego or, or, or wallet he might have. He really cared about what he was doing. He, he did. He definitely didn't want to lose money on it. Cause like, he's not going to pretend this is just a student 
art project, he knew he's playing with people's money, but he also made sure that he put this out in a respectful way, according to what the writer wrote, what he was driving for and what his mentors uh, helped him envision. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Right. That's what's up. Yeah. It's fantastic. Anyhow, I'm sorry. I'm going on and on. So, um, I'm going to give you a synopsis. I, I, I think this is kind of fucking standard for me. I don't go into hyper detail, but I will, I will go through this whole fucking thing. Uh, I don't think it's any secret. Spoiler fucking alert. We give away the whole goddamn movie when we do this show. So maybe I should start posting that on our Instagram. Um, <laughs> but so this uh, film starts with, <clears throat> this film starts with, Kind of the family, you know, going through the fucking day. Um, what ends up happening, you kind of, what you discover in the beginning is that they're in a relatively small Texas town. Uh, it's a fictional town called Thurman. That, that is not a real town in Texas. Um, it was originally supposed to be in Tyler, Texas, but I'll get into the reason for why he didn't make it that later. Um, and you grow to know that there's these two brothers who are three years apart, Adam and Fenton, uh, the younger and older respectively, who have a single father, Bill Paxton, who is only called dad. The entire, episode, the entire movie, you never know his name. Um, yeah. you go, uh, you go to find out he's a mechanic. He drinks hams, smokes cigarettes. It's 1979, so he does it in the house at the fucking dinner table, and that's totally fine to do. Um, yeah, and I'm really pissed, man, because Ryan knows I drink hams on a regular fucking basis. Hams is one of my favorite fucking beers. And I went to the fucking liquor store to do this goddamn episode when I got off of work digging holes for my job and shit, and they were out of hams. And, and I can't let it go. I, 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 I had to say something about it gonna bother me for the next three or four days supposedly they may not even get hams there again and product placement i'm done with hams forever i i, I won't get into it but it has to do with the coors family um but oh interesting side note so in the in the movie this motherfucker's cracking hams left and right the can of hams that he's seen drinking is the same can of hams the entire movie because he could only find when he went looking for props and all these things he could only find one 1979 can of hams so he's oh, constantly boy. grabbing the same every time you see a can of hams it's uh, the same fucking can the whole movie <laughs> anyway nice. So uh, they're they're doing whatever, and they're you get the feel like okay, yeah, they're Christians, but they're not like ridiculous about it. And um, the kids are walking home. This is an interesting thing to follow. I don't know if you guys picked up on this ever. I picked up on it the second time I watched it, and I've absolutely watched this movie easily thirty times. I love this fucking movie. But the kids are walking home from school, and the youngest. Um, Adam is singing uh, what's that fucking song it's uh, if the if the devil doesn't like it he can sit on attack sit on attack yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, that whole shit well 
Fenton, he's like, I don't want to sing the song. I'm not going to sing the song, which is foreshadowing. Um, but he's like, yeah, I'm not going to sing. I got the, oh, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to sing the fucking song. I'm not going to sing it. Well, he, he acquiesces and he like says the words lackadaisically, but mm. doesn't sing along with the song. And they walk home through the Rose Garden. They go back to their fucking little house in, 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 in Thurman, Texas. And they have a nice dinner. And dad puts him to bed. And he's being a good dad. And he's making jokes. And he's making sure that they, they like, you know, he's validating all of their feelings. And he's talking to them about their homework. Like, he's a fucking good dad. He's a really good dad. Especially for 1979. And double for Texas. Dude, oh, like he's a good dude. Um, so that night, your man Bill Paxton, who is the director slash, well, I don't want to say star. I'm not going to say that because there are some amazing people, especially those two kids in this movie. Um, but Bill Paxton, the father, Dad Meeks, uh, their last name is Meeks. Also, by the way, did anyone else catch that? The meek shall inherit the earth. That's what yeah, I was yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's what I, I got from meek. The last name yeah. being meek. Anyway, yeah. so he comes into the room in the middle of the night after putting them to bed. This is after the older brother saying, "We're not going to go see meatballs again. We're going to go see the fucking warriors." Um, the dad comes in the room and says, "Hey, get up. We need to talk. God just came and talked to me. We got to kill demons." For like ever now. That's what we do. We kill demons now. And these kids are like, what the fuck? Adam, the youngest, is like, okay, cool. All right. That's what God wants us to do. We're killing demons, I guess. That's that's what we do now. And I'm with you, Dad. And Fenton is looking at him crooked like this motherfucker has lost his mind. But he yeah. goes to sleep. And now yeah. I have skipped a bit. This actually, I forgot, this starts with Matthew McConaughey walking into the FBI uh, headquarters and telling Powers Booth, who is the head FBI agent of the God's Hand serial killing case, telling him, I know who's the God Hand killer. And then he, Matthew McConaughey narrates the rest of the fucking story. So... All the rest of it is him talking about their childhood. And when he says, when he walks in, he says his name is Fenton Meeks, which is the older brother. Right. Um, so this is going on. Fenton Meeks is, is uh, narrating the whole shit. And dad Meeks tells him that fucking we kill demons now. Fenton is saying this is, he's out of his fucking mind. He spends a couple of days sweating it. And then, he goes, well, maybe it's over. Like, this motherfucker said we got to kill demons, but ain't nothing happened yet. Well, then, Dad Meeks is driving to work and sees a fucking beam of light heading towards a barn. And he feels compelled to go over there. He goes over there, and he finds an axe in a tree stump in the middle of this fucking barn with two gloves right next to it, just perfectly precariously placed. And the axe is marked Otis. Um... Mm. I actually, you know what? I'm going to address this right away because that was something that drove me nuts. And I looked this up. I feel like yeah. the third or fourth time I watched this, I looked up all types of fan theories about Otis and what that yeah, might what? be. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, honestly, because I saw this nearby when like the Rob Zombie flicks came out, and there was Otis, the brother, you know, um, sure. from the from the three, uh, not three from Hell. It was before that, but it was the um, Devil's Re- not Devil's Rejects, the first one, House of a Thousand Corpses. For some reason, I thought it might be associated associated with that. Um, some people said it's only the innocent survive. It's an acronym. Oh. By the way, I subscribe to the idea that anytime fan ideas come out, that an acronym is suggested for a name, 99% of the time they're full of shit and made it up themselves. Yeah. Um I agree. Now, I like this story. I do not know if it's true. I tried really hard to corroborate this. But apparently, when Bill Paxton was out um, scouting locations for this movie in Pasadena, um, this is shot largely in L.A. um, for obvious fucking reasons. But when he was out scouting, he was happened to be in Pasadena this day and met this old homeless guy. And he tried to give him fucking money. And the guy's like, nah, I don't want no fucking charity. Fuck out of here. Well, he goes, all right, fine. How about I just pay you some money to use your name in a movie? Because I'm making a movie right now. And he goes, fine. And he gives him like, I I don't know how much money he gave him. I'm not even going to speculate. But he gave him a bunch of money. And son told him his name was Otis. There you go. That is supposedly where the axe's name came from but the reason it has a name in the first place is he wanted it to appear as though it's a relic something that is a weapon used in a godly war because that's what they're on about this is a war against the demons right The, the, the war between heaven and hell is going on and they are on the fucking front line and they're the only ones that know about it them and other warriors are the only ones that know everyone else are just pawns and he wanted the axe to seem like something that hands gets handed down, um, like familial, uh, from father to son, that type of right. shit. Um, so inherited responsibility, even for sure. Ex- well done. Exactly right. Exactly right. So your man grabs the gloves and grabs the axe, goes to work, comes home, and goes. Yeah, man, look, God gave me the first thing. He said we were, we were going to get three things. So I got the axe, and I got the gloves, but I don't know what the gloves are for. And the, and Fenton's just like, this motherfucker's out of his mind. Adam is just over the fucking moon with this. Like, all right, fuck yeah, man, we got demon-killing gimmicks. So this goes on and on. And then your man, Bill Paxton, Dad Meeks, is at work as a mechanic, and he has a straight-up fucking... I mean, they show his visions a couple of times. They do throughout the movie. But he has a straight-up vision. And then he comes... And I won't even get into the details of that, but he fucking loses his shit at work looking at the underside of a car, flies fucking home, and tells his kids, hey, I got another fucking deal. They, I was given names. So now he's got a list of names. And actually, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I forgot. He, the third item that he comes across is a pipe. It's literally just a male, male piece of galvanized pipe, probably about two feet long. Right. I mean, great, great weapon. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I will 
I speak from experience, but will not give any details. But a fucking one inch piece of fucking galvanized steel male male pipe is a phenomenal weapon. Somehow, I can't remember how he came across it, but he did. God told him, showed it to him, he got it, whatever. Um, He shows that to the kids as well. Well, then he has the vision at work, and he's now got a, it's the first thing he does, he comes out from under that car and writes down three names. And then he goes home. And all the while, Fenton's going, fuck, we're out of the woods. This motherfucker hasn't said shit in like two weeks. Cool. Maybe he just fucking was drunk that night. Maybe he's just out of his fucking mind. Whatever. And your man now comes home and goes, hey, got some demon names. And Fenton's like, fuck, this guy's serious. So they go out and get their first demon, which is in the form of a woman uh, who's, I don't remember her name. It's Claudette or something like that. But her first name is the same as the actress that plays her. That's what I can tell you. Um, goes and picks her up. Like, it shows the father. He walks over to the fucking door. He follows her home like a really creepy motherfucker. And according to the narrator, Fenton Meeks, you know, it's it's Matthew McConaughey. He fucking says, this motherfucker went to this side of town that he's never been to, but had no trouble finding the front door because God was leaving. And he rolls up on this broad while she's trying to open her door she's a really cute girl, like looking innocent and all that. And he goes, and he says her name, Claudia or Cynthia, Cynthia, Cynthia. She turns around and is like, Holy shit. Yeah. What? And he just pops her in the head with the pipe. Yeah. And the next thing they show is they're in the fucking, his house. He's dragging this girl. Her mascara is smeared. She's got duct tape over her mouth. This looks kind of bad. And he's like, brings her in front of these kids. You know what this reminds me of? You remember the serial killer Joseph Callinger? Gene, are you hip? No, no. Uh, Terry, do you remember Joseph Callinger? Yeah, that's the shoe guy. Yeah, he was in, in New York, or maybe it was Philadelphia. But yeah. he was um he brought his 13-year-old son along with him to kill people um and <laughs> said God told him to do it. Yeah, Callinger out of fucking like pit in his basement too. And he was like, "You gotta get yeah. the god pit and all this crazy shit." It, it was it was full of shit and piss and all. He was out of his mind. But the whole thing was God told him to do these things. And mm-hmm. I mean, to wrap up Callinger real quick, he was crazy because of all kind of like you know how the whole Mad Hatter theory was like they had to use mercury to yeah. make brims of hats and they literally yeah. went crazy shoemakers did the same shit with the chemicals they used on shoes. Oh, and that's, shit. What, that's what happened with Joseph Callinger. So anyway, the, every time I've watched this movie, it's made me think of Joe Callinger because of the kids involved. And anyway, so, yeah. so he fucking kills this one. He knocks her out with the Otis or with the fucking, with the pipe, right? Mm-hmm. Brings her to the house and he's wearing the gloves the whole time. And the other thing he says is, what if someone sees us? The kids are like, what if someone sees us? He's like, God said he'll blind them for us. Um, mm. He mm. takes the glove off and touches her face and convulses. He's like, holy shit. So like, you didn't think God saw that, did? or you didn't think anyone knew, but God saw that. And then he pulls out the Otis axe, which is a double-headed axe, and fucking puts it through her goddamn skull. And then he chops her up into little bits, which they don't show, but obviously they did. 
And then he has his children bury this woman in yeah. the rose garden out back of their house. Right. And yeah. Fenton is losing his shit about yeah. this. Kind of holding it together pretty well, considering he doesn't believe his father. But like he's like, holy shit, what are we doing here? Right. So this goes on, and, and I'm going to skip a little bit, okay? This goes on a number of times where it goes back and forth where Fenton's like, ah, maybe he's done now. And then all of a sudden, Paxton's like, nah, I got like five more names, dude. And they, they're whacking motherfuckers out. He's touching them, convulsing, killing them, trying to make Fenton do it, but Fenton's not buying it. He's like, dude, you got to kill this motherfucker. It's a demon. It's not a person. It's a demon. You have to destroy this demon. And Fenton ain't having it. So eventually he tries to make him do it, doesn't do it. So he builds, he says, Fenton, oh, no, no, no. Wait a minute. Was the cop? No, 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 no. He finally says, okay, here's what we need to do. He said, Fenton, you won't pray. You won't listen. You're not seeing the demons. The angel told me something about yeah. you. I don't yeah. want to believe it, but here's what's going to happen. I want you to pray. And he goes, I'm not going to fucking pray. And he goes, all right, here's what you're going to do then. And by the way, I had to do this as a kid too. So watching this, I'm like, yeah, okay. That's like normal punishment. And yeah. He says, I it's want a very you to relatable dig. story. Man. Yeah. Did you have to do that too? Oh, I do. Why do you think I'm so good at digging holes, man? <laughs> Shit, guys. Fucker so, said, I want you to dig a ditch. It needs to be 10 foot by 10 foot square and 15 feet deep. Yeah. And he goes, what? He goes, yeah. And I want half of that done by the time I get home from work. He goes, I can't fucking do that. And he's like, you better pray about it then. And he bounces and goes to fucking work. And this motherfucking Fenton gets to digging on some full-blown hatred which by the yeah. way i did that shit as a kid too i literally got told as a kid dig this hole it needs to be 20 feet long it needs to be three foot wide it needs to be two feet deep so on and so forth and i would do that and then be like, cool now fill it back in that would be my punishment for whatever so i feel this deeply <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice pun <laughs> Oh yeah, well done. I actually didn't get that, but yeah, look at look at me go making dad jokes. So your man fucking Fenton digs his fucking hole, and he is so filled with hatred, he just fucking goes and goes and goes, and he bangs up his hands because he refused to use gloves. And his dad's like, "Dude, why didn't you use gloves?" I, and he's trying to give him aspirin, and he's trying to give him food, and like, "Hey, man, listen." I know you're mad at me, but you need to use the fucking gloves from now on. And there's no reason for you to hurt yourself and take on extra pain just because you're fucking mad at me. He's like, so take some time off, let your hands heal, and then get back to digging. Well, Fenton does get back to digging and refuses to use the fucking gloves because he's that filled with hatred. And I'm not going to do a goddamn thing you said. Fuck you, dad. He's doing that. He's Kurt Cobain right now. So right. son fucking digs the fucking ditch and your man comes home and goes, holy shit, you pulled that off. Did you pray? And he goes, not fucking once. So they now 
start old school. I love one of my favorite parts in this movie is watching the work that they do because they move the shed over the hulk, the shed that already exists in the backyard, and they use steel uh. pipe as rollers uh. to move it over. I just like that. It has nothing to do with the story. I just like that. Um, so he puts the fucking shed over the hole. Um, they build an underground, like they, they use uh, wood to build an actual underground cellar underneath the fucking shed and then place the shed on top of it. And then, um, no, he doesn't put, no, he didn't put Fenton under there yet. Um, so then they now go to get more demons, right? They get more demons, bring this motherfucker home and... It's like an old fucking cute man, right? I think it was. Yeah, they. Um, yeah, yeah. They, innocent looking man. The, the yeah, Peter. They bring him home, and the fucking Fenton won't kill him. So fucking, Daddy steps in and kills that motherfucker, and they bury him again. And Fenton is talking to his younger brother about running away. He's like, "Yo, man, Dad's crazy. This is wrong." He's like, "Nope." He's like, "I see it when he touches him. I see it." And he's like, no, you don't. You're brainwashed. You're crazy. Dad's crazy. Everyone's crazy but me. You need to run away with me because I'm worried about you. And fucking Adam snitches on Fenton and tells his dad. So his dad goes, look, man, you can't fucking tell anybody about this. If you do, he's like, I'm not killing people. I'm killing demons. If you tell anybody, that person's going to die straight up and down. That's on your head. And Fenton runs away, tells the fucking sheriff, and the sheriff doesn't believe him, but he fights and fights and fusses and finally goes, fucking fine, fine. You, you're saying there's bodies buried beneath your fucking the, the cellar in your fucking house. Fine, let's go do that. So your man, the sheriff, and Fenton, they push the issue, they push the issue, and they finally go underneath the ground, and Bill Paxton rolls up behind the sheriff and throws Otis into his fucking chest. And then he right. goes downstairs and throws it into his head. And he says, "Hey, man, he's like, I'm it, also it's he says some biblical shit, but he's like, he's on some I'm sorry shit. You could tell he's bummed about it. And he puts Otis through this dude's skull and he throws up everywhere. And then he's like, Fenton, that motherfucker died because of you. You you made me do that." And now Fenton's burying the sheriff, right? Yeah. So this goes on, and he's like, he's like, okay, fine. They go back home, and he goes, Fenton, come here. Listen, I can't trust you anymore. God is telling me something about you I refuse to believe. So you, and you don't see these things that God is showing me and Adam. So you need to go down into the fucking cellar that we created. You need to go down there until you have a vision. He goes, oh, no. He's like, if you don't go down there, I'm going to fucking put you down there. He's like, yeah. I won't tell anybody. I swear to God, I'm not going to tell nobody. He's like, no, 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 no. We're past that. You already said that. We're done. Go the fuck down there. And he's like, tries to break out. So your man, dad meets, grabs this motherfucker and chucks him down there. By the way, uh, side note, Bill Paxton said that was his least favorite part of filming. He fucking hated that. The part where he had to grab this kid who's screaming, please no, and drag him down to the cellar to put him down there and then hammer nails into the lid to make sure he see he hated it. 
hated. Oh, I'm sure, man. Because Bill Paxton is, such, is a good guy. He's a good guy. He's no Werner Herzog. <laughs> he's, he's a he's good guy. No, good he's man. a legit good guy. I mean, we all know the story yeah. about how he tried to put over fucking Jedi mind tricks and fucking Vinny Paz yes. on the fucking morning show. Did you mm-hmm. watch that interview? Yep. He fucking is yes, putting over it. Yeah. And the interviewer is like, yeah, whatever with that. He's trying to talk about how his son turned him on to underground hip hop. And this interviewer is like, yeah, whatever. And he's like, no, 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 no. Let me explain something to you. This shit yeah, fucking yeah. rule. Like he won't have it. He keeps going and going. Yeah. Like Bill Paxton fucking rules. Absolutely. Um, so he, Fenton goes in the fucking basement. Fenton's in the basement. He fucking comes up, shuts the lid and nails that motherfucker shut. I got to be honest with you. I don't really agree with that type of carpentry. I feel like if there was nails, I could get them shits loose. If there were screws, that's a different story. But anyway, I get the sentiment. So he walks away and he says, you need to stay in there until God talks to you. He leaves. And the whole time this Fenton's digging the hole, the whole time he's down in the fucking cellar, Adam's bringing him water, trying to make sure he's okay, saying, I'm sorry I snitched on you. Like, I I just want you to be okay. And he's giving him water, sneaking him water even. And he goes, he's like, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to eat some food. I'm hungry. I need to get out of here. He's like, dad says you got to stay down there for like at least a week. He's like, what the fuck? A week? (laughs) And a week goes by. And he lets him out. He opens the thing and he says, has got, by the way, I want to use this for a fucking sample on a record that I'm going to make in the future. He opens the gimmick and says, has God spoken to you yet? And Fenton looks up at him snow blind from the sun he hasn't seen in a week and goes, there is no God. And he fucking shuts the thing yeah. and nails it yeah. shut again. Yeah. Loved it. Heavy. Yeah. So and good. Then he then goes on, the narrator goes on to describe he loses track of the days, which I can't believe he didn't already, but he loses track of the days. He goes crazy. And the next thing we cut to this motherfucker is uh, it's Adam. The younger brother is going, Hey, Fenton's not responding dad. Like he's not answering me. We need to go in. We need to go see what's going on. So they open it up. And they pick up his limp body that's just laying on the stairs, put water on his lips, give him some, get him going. And they go, hey, are you all right? Are you all right? He's like, I talked to God, Dad. I talked to God. Right? So he gives him the I had a vision speech. And he goes, good. I knew it, son. I fucking knew it. And they move on with the fucking day. Well, pretty quickly, he gives him some food, gives him some water, lets him rest up, lets him heal. And then he goes, all right, time to get down to business. We got some fucking demons to kill, son. And you're going to do it because you just talked to God, so now you know what the family business is. So they go and get a quote-unquote demon. And by the way, I laugh out loud every single time at this part. I don't laugh at any part in this movie except for this one. The guy's name, I think, is Brad White. He's a big fucking, he's he not, I mean, he's not like super fucking diesel, but he's a cut up fucking Texan fucking clearly been to prison type motherfucker, right? Like a biker, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, 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 yep. 
and they yeah. knock on the door acting like they got a fucking flat tire. And they go, and they go, he goes, hey man, uh, the guy opens the door, looks at him all suspicious and angry. And the fucking, his wife, girlfriend, whatever it is in the background, he goes, he goes, yeah, what is it? And she goes, who is it, Brad? And he goes, you mind your fucking business, you fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it makes me laugh every time the way he says it. But I digress. <laughs> he says, listen, man, me and my son are driving around. We got a flat tire. It looked like you had some tires like on the side yard. You maybe have a fuck spare tire or some shit. He goes, fuck, yeah, maybe. Come on, let's go. And he takes him in the backyard in this back garage area. But the son fucking alerts the dude on accident, knocks something over, gets his attention right when fucking Bill Paxton's going to bring down the pipe. And that motherfucker <laughs> comes up with a big-ass wrench and breaks his ribs. Well, then Fenton jumps over and knocks his fucking ass out and they get him in the fucking car and they fucking bounce. The whole while this is going on, by the way, in the background, your man that's the narrator, supposedly Fenton Meeks, is in handcuffs with the FBI agent because he said his brother is the hand of God killer and he's going to take him to where the bodies are at. So they're in the car now and he's telling this fucking story. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they take your man, Brad White, back to the fucking gimmick little cellar. And he goes, all right. And Fenton is all about it. He's like, fuck yeah, I'm going to kill this motherfucking demon. I'm about this shit. He goes down to the cellar. He's holding Otis. And he goes, all right, son, you do that shit. Do it. And he's about to fucking do it. And he turns around and hits his fucking dad, old dad Meeks, in the chest yeah. with the yeah. fucking Otis axe. And puts him down. I mean, it's through the shit like it's stuck in there. So he's through the sternum. Like, it's heavy bits. It's a mummy wrap. Yeah. He lays down, and he whispers something to Adam. Now, he's already at this point in the film said to his son, Ben, he's like, God told me you're a demon, and I'm supposed mm -hmm. to kill you. But I'm not gonna. I don't believe it. We're gonna prove him wrong. That's what all the starvation and all the gimmicks were about. We're going to prove God wrong. Well, you done fucked up. Apparently God is infallible, at least according to Christians. So this motherfucker now leans over and whispers in his son Adam's ear. We can only, and the only word I can, I honestly know for a fact he says, the last word is demon, for sure. I know okay. that's what he says. Everything else okay. is ASMR bullshit. I can't tell, but... He's telling, I, I promise you, he's telling his youngest son, your brother's a fucking demon. Right. Um, and what happens during this is Fenton turns around and looks at the dude he was about to kill, and your fucking man, Adam, comes out of nowhere and splits mm -hmm. that motherfucker's head open with the axe he just pulled out of his father's chest. And it's yeah. glorious. It's amazing. So I didn't I didn't see it coming. I... I, I vocally let out a whoa when that happened absolutely it was a great moment the way they did it is very well done because you don't see it it's just your man staring at this dude on the ground and out of nowhere the guy just screams yeah and then you see the axe you know what i mean it's mm -hmm. brilliant it's mm -hmm. brilliant film yeah. play so now we cut to mcconaughey in the back seat of the fuck car 
Um, oh, I did leave something out. When the FBI agent, early in the movie, when the FBI agent first walks into his office, he talks to some young kid. And he goes, hey, he's like, who the fuck's this guy in my fucking office right now? And he goes, uh, that guy said he knows something about the God's Hand killer, but he wouldn't tell me anything. He said he specifically wanted to talk to you. Did he ask for me by name? No. He said he wanted to talk to the agent in charge of the God's Hand killer case. Okay, cool. Goes in the fucking room. Powers Booth walks in with his Charlie Sheen-ass eyebrows and looks at this fucking Matthew McConaughey, who sat there holding a picture frame, and he goes, is this your mother? And he goes, hmm. And he he goes, oh, here you go. He's like, oh, she's a good-looking lady or whatever. And Powers Booth goes, I'd really appreciate it if you didn't take things off my desk. Sets it down, and then they go on and on. In the car, while they're driving, and he's telling this fucking story, he goes, you know, um, you, uh, you, I know, couldn't help but notice you only have that one picture of your mother on your desk. He goes, yeah, well, she was murdered like a couple days after that photo was taken. They ever catch it? Who did it? Nope. Never caught who did it. So now you're going, oh, this fucking FBI agent fucking got a vendetta. He's on some Batman shit. My parents were killed in an alleyway, and now I'm going to use all of my fucking energy to capture criminals that, that murder people wantonly, right? So at this point, like I said, skipping back forward to where I was before, your man is now telling him, he's like, hey, so at this point, we waited a week. We buried our dad in the fucking Rose Garden with all the other bodies that no one has even gotten hip to yet because, once again, he still believes God is going to blind everybody. That's why it's happening. Goes, all right. So we buried our dad. We waited a week, and then we called the sheriffs and said, he just didn't come home today. Right. And then we got moved around. Eventually, we were in separate orphanages, and we were separated completely. And after that, he says, you know what? I don't think I want to talk about this anymore. Because Powers Booth is now asking questions about bodies and his dead father, and he's like, you know what? I don't want to talk anymore. They finally get to where they're going. Yeah. The Rose Garden. They pull up, and your man, fucking Powers Booth, is like, all right, walking through. And he goes, so then he talks about how when, uh, I, I skipped another bit, but whatever. Motherfuckers, you need to watch the movie. So he said, um, he said, so. There's there's a fucking this is the wait no 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 fuck we got to this oh they're walking through the fucking they're walking through the tweeds trying to get to the fucking rose garden uh, which is all grown over by now and the house is long gone it's been demolished and and it's just a foundation at this point they're walking through. And he says, he starts talking about all these victims. And he goes, yeah, well, this isn't where, he's like, wait a minute, there's too many graves here. There's only six victims of the fucking God's Hand killer. And he goes, yeah, except this isn't where Fenton put bodies. This is where I bury demons. And he goes, what the fuck are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. He's all, it does if the guy that's in front of you is Adam Meeks. 
And then he breaks down why he's not Fenton. He's fucking Adam. Dun, dun, and, dun. Yeah, it's a it's a usual unusual suspects gimmick. And this motherfucker says he breaks down how he always believed and how all these demons are there. And he's like, finally, this motherfucker points a gun at him and he ends up. The guy, he says, he says, so what about your mother? What happened with your fucking mother? Um, son gets super mad and tries, he can't shoot him because if he shoots him, he, everyone knows he's out with this guy. You know, it's like you just shot the guy in the middle of nowhere while he was handcuffed. He yeah. tries to pistol with him because he's pissed off. Well, Adam Meeks, who we now know is Adam Meeks, grabs this motherfucker's pistol when he tries to grab it and touches his skin and he collapses and he convulses and everybody's like, oh shit. He's like, oh, at this point, they show what happens to that guy's mother. The FBI agent murdered his own mother. And then right. he goes into, he says, How, how'd you do that? And he's all fucking weak and he can't move. And he's like, motherfucker, I killed demons. Let me explain something to you. I'm Adam fucking Meeks. And then it shows, it reveals all the times that they show all the crimes that these people that the that dad Meeks touched. And it shows what they did. And Fenton never saw it because he was indeed a demon. And he explains to him, he's like, this is where Fenton is buried because I fucking killed him. And he's the God hands killer, but you're going to be his last fucking victim. Right. And he whacks this motherfucker out, puts him in the fucking ground, takes his fucking wallet, takes it back to Fenton's house, leaves it in the fucking basement with the bodies that he collected because Fenton didn't bury his bodies. He kept them as trophies in the basement. And then... The cops go looking for... Fuck! Sorry, Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> he goes looking for the, the fucking... The good guy, the little FBI agent, the young guy that let him in in the first place. He goes, I don't fucking remember what he looks like. And they go to look at the videotape footage of the FBI fucking gimmick and the video, actual VHS, of course. 2001. Children that are listening to us. And... It's all blurred. Like there's there's the gray bars of banged up fucking videotape across his face everywhere he goes. Yeah, it's and just all obscure fucking... fucking. And then right after that, they find out that this motherfucker's stop. They find Wesley. the The FBI agent's name is Wesley something or other. His fucking wallet is bloodstained and at Fenton's house. And Fenton has long disappeared, so they put out an APB. They try to find him, but that motherfucker's buried in the Rose Garden. He already fucking Adam already took him to, you know. Right. And shortly after this, this is where it gets real Twilight Zone. And there's actually something I'll bet neither one of you noticed. I'll tell you what, I didn't notice it until today. Today, after like the thirtieth time I watched this fucking movie. Your man, the young fucking FBI agent, goes out to a town called Meat, Texas, which is not a real town, but Bill Paxton said, that seems right. Like, I'm from Texas. There should be a town called Meat in this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes and says, excuse me, and this young lady, and she's a good-looking uh, blonde girl, turns around, clearly very pregnant, 
says, oh, excuse me, didn't see you there. And he goes, hey, I came to see the sheriff. Oh, no problem. Hey, Adam and fucking Matthew McConaughey comes a walking out of that motherfucker wearing a sheriff's outfit. Right. Says, says, can I help you? And that motherfucker goes, like he never seen him before, goes, well, I wanted to tell you something. Can we go in your office? Next shot, they're walking outside. He goes, I appreciate you. Matthew McConaughey saying, I appreciate you telling me in person. He's like, well, it's protocol, and we we do feel like you should know before we go public because we do have to go public with this. But this is what happened with your brother. And he goes, yeah, well, anything else I can help you with, please let me know, so on and so forth. And he goes to shake his hand. Right. And Michael McConaughey shakes the FBI guy's hand. He goes, you're a good man, officer, da, 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 whatever, yeah, 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 agent, yeah. Yeah. whatever the fuck jerk off cop name it is. And he goes, all right. And that motherfucker leaves. And in this weird kind of children of the corn twilight zone yeah. <laughs> moment, the pregnant ass blonde lady comes out and he goes, everything good. He's like, yes, God's will has been served. Oh, praise be to God. I feel like the praise God thing was unnecessary. The God's will has been served. I'm with that. That's cool. But you didn't need to be like, oh, praise God. Like, settle down. Like, that, that, was, that, that, was the, that one I didn't like. Yeah. Yeah. But wait a minute. So this is the end of the fucking movie that you now pan out. Here's what I noticed today. And then I went, you know what? This has been bugging me. And I looked it up. So at the end of this fucking thing, it pans out. It's a, clearly a crane shot, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Right. It's away yeah. from, from the sheriff, Matthew McConaughey, and the, the pregnant wife, Texas meat lady, uh. and it pulls away, and fucking <coughs> there's a guy that crosses the street. And, you know, just some normal extras walking through, making it look like it's a regular-ass town, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this fucking two kids come around the corner at the very end these two kids come around the corner screaming and shouting about how much fun they're having and they're on scooters just pedaling through those are the two kids that played adam and fenton oh sure it's I... some straight up twilight zone shit okay and i looked it up because i'm like it was bugging me because i heard their voices and i'm like I mean, it's from the back mostly. I can't quite see their face, but I looked it up, and Bill Paxton straight up said, he's like, yeah, it was kind of like a, we kind of wanted to make a Twilight Zone moment. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, before, before we get into uh, opinions of this, I do want to chuck out some fun facts about this motherfucker. Um, so... Could I uh, just... Not to be annoyed, but just one thing with um, Fantastic Synopsis, there was just one thing there with Fenton's death, because uh, Fenton actually died at the very end after the altercation with Powers Booth, yeah? Yes. He goes back because uh, um, Matthew McConaughey was pretending that he was Fenton, but Adam at the whole time. But remember, he does uh, speak to, yeah, if you're with me. You're right. No, I'm with you. At the beginning, they show Fenton shooting himself in the head. Yeah. Actually, mm. You don't know that it's Fenton at this point. Mm. It's a whole gimmick. It's whatever. But then he reveals later through the through the narration and and mm -hmm. so on. Yes, you're exactly right. 
I know I missed a couple of key things. No, that's but. all good. It's it's um, Adam Kills Brad, uh, the bikey Texan guy. Um, and then after the altercation with Powers Booth, goes back to Fenton's house, who's all kind of crazy Stephen King apocalypse, like uh, with a typewriter there, and then comes behind him. And then Fenton, the actual Fenton, looks up and says, Adam, Boom, and I believe he's using the bar there, yeah, without gloves. Yeah, but he has it was the, it was the pipe, the pipe, the galvanized pipe, steel yeah. pipe. And that's where he finishes off Fenton at the very end there. And I love, by the way, that reminds me, specifically that scene reminds me, absolutely flawless use of the soundtrack. Johnny Cash, Peace in the Valley, ah, playing over there that. There you go, beautiful. Uh, I yep. mean, fucking forget about it. Absolutely brilliant. Um, mm -hmm. I um so do you remember do you remember the millipede that Adam had the little millipede in a jar? Yes, right. He said his name was Curtis. Matthew McConaughey named that fucking millipede. <laughs> he, he was the one that was like, call him Curtis. Yeah, he would. He would. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Also, uh, Matthew. Let's see. So the town. I was saying this earlier, and I wanted to. I, I already said I would say it, so I got to bring it back up. The town was originally going to be set in a real town called Tyler, Texas. Um, but Bill Paxton, being from Texas, and this is maybe the most Texas thing ever. This is such a Hank Hill thing to do. He, he This is a quote. He didn't want, quote, a bunch of goths out there in the middle of the night digging around the Rose Garden after the movie comes out. <laughs> so they changed the name to Thurman because Tyler Texas uh, has a legitimate uh, road car. And he's like, I don't want these motherfuckers to go and do that shit. It's a so, valid concern. That's a valid concern because it happens down here as well. That type of goth shit. Definitely. Right. <laughs> um, also, uh, this is the only other little fucking fun fact that I haven't gone over. There are a bunch of things in this movie that belong to Bill Paxton personally. Um, oh, yeah, you know the little dog statues, they like demon dog statues, almost like Pazuzu Exorcist looking fucking oh, things sure, yeah. that are in the Rose Garden. Those are from uh. his garden. Oh, that's crap. Those are in that's his rad. fucking front yard <laughs> right now, probably. He's dead now. I don't know. But the other thing is the opening credit scene, which I love because I recognized a bunch of those photos. I'm like, dude, I've seen these photos before. Those photos. Are, mm. are true crime photos that Bill Paxton has a fucking whole collection of. Those are real true crime photos that they just used for the opening credits. And they're oh, from damn. his personal collection. I like this guy. I like You're stewed, buttwad. Anyway, <laughs> gentlemen, uh, I've been going on and on. I apologize. Please, what, what, as, as, one of my favorite turns of phrase from down under. What do you reckon? Let's go well, down under first. Well, I reckon it was uh, it was a fantastic film. Uh, beautifully shot, beautiful tone, beautiful fluid narrative. The way it was all pieced together, didn't slow down at all, kept me engaged thoroughly. 
a fantastic example of uh, loss of innocence within a family. Absolutely. I did love the visions not to go on about them, but they were almost William Blake-like. Uh, yeah, when he's under the car, yeah, and, and, the, and the welding sparks are flying around him like William Blake seeing a tree of angels burning on fire was to that level, definitely. I loved right. how th- the, narrat- the narration of Fenton, um, how he um, how he mentioned like when um, Dad Meeks came in and told about the first vision, the first visitation from God. That was the end of his ideal life. You, um, I love the foreshadowing of Matthew McConaughey's character. You knew something was up with him, but you couldn't quite place it. You knew something up was with Powers Booth as well. How he had the picture of his mother. Then he had basically um, actual crime photo scenes, but just covering one wall sort of thing this guy right. quite likes violence <laughs> they, they pick the, this guy there's something up with him but the way it all unraveled was fantastic as i said at the end where adam comes along with the axe still made me jump out in surprise and verbalize shout out in surprise definitely lovely little twilight zone ending rest in peace bill paxton what a talent what a man uh, rest, thank in you peace, for, yeah. rest in peace powers booth as well as yeah. well absolutely um yeah thank you for make, um, giving me the opportunity to sit down and watch this film I'd always heard about did not disappoint. That's me. Yeah, Trevor. yeah. You know, this this film, like, since it came out, I've always been amazed that people have not been drawn to it as good as it is because it's just, it's phenomenal. And the way that it's phenomenal is that it's basic. It has this humanity to it with the relationship of the four or five characters that you get. It's got the twist at the end that really puts it up and above and beyond, but just the basic, um, because it's a religious movie, but there's no very specific, we're talking about this scripture or we're part of this like sect of Christianity or anything like that. It's literally just the mindset and the spirituality between a father and his two sons and there's Mm. not anything that needs to be added to it and that's what gives it this epic feel the way that uh you know this is it's a modern day fucking night of the hunter you know it it really is totally Um, it has these religious aspects to it but it's american gothic in the way only Mm. a film about texas can Mm. be Mm. you know and uh, it's really a lot of the language and the direction that this is done. This was directed in a way that portrays the relationship between the father and a son. And like, well, I guess this is what we're doing now, son. I'm sorry you can't see the demons, but I got to put you in the fucking cellar. You know, and it's very fucking real. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a family film, really. It is. (laughs) No, 100%. Uh, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I was just, um, yeah, just uh, an agreeance. Verbal, yeah, Um, just an agreeance. I will, I mean, so, I, like you said, like, I, I could not fucking back that more. The fact that they don't delve into we're Baptists, we're Calvinists, we're da da da, we're whatever. 
It's just, we're just good old Texas Christians, right? He's a cigarette smoking, fucking ham drinking, fucking animal, right? He's clearly. He has faith, and God is all that there is. It's American gods and guns, dude. And let's not. And let's not fucking forget, that man said, I've never killed anything in my life. He yeah. said anything. That means he doesn't even go hunting. That man, and also, he's a good mm. father. There's no way to cut it other than he's a good father. It, it, you, I mean, you might want to say maybe not after the fucking vision. Fine. We can talk about that later. But beforehand, that man as a single father in 1979 Texas of two sons is doing a fucking incredible job. The likes of which I don't think I would see right now in California, right now, a single father with two sons in California right now, no fucking way he's doing the job that guy. It really highlights um, how mental illness can fuck you up whether it starts at childhood or whether it just comes along at you like that in an instant sure. yeah, and can change everything, can change a person, can change a whole family's life just like that. That's what really struck me as well. That's what, how, why I found this so unnerving throughout as well, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It is very, that's, that's the funny paradox of the, there, there's this, the whole, like I said, if you watch it one time, the second time you watch it, you are watching a different movie. Sure. So the first time you're watching this child, Fenton, being abused, mm-hmm. you know, you that's legitimate. If that's fucking straight up yeah. abuse that we've, yeah. Terry and I have covered on, on Nolu talking yeah. about serial killers doing to their kids, where you yeah. lock them in cellars because Jesus told you to fucking do mm-hmm. it. But mm-hmm. this explores the possibility that dad was actually correct. That yeah, actually was a demon. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, that is the it, thing. Because God, it's yeah, bizarre, and it's not true. It's a fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That. Don't lock your children in cellars. Yeah, 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 yeah. God is not that, telling you to revenge him. God ain't telling that, you shit. God ain't fucking real. But when you see everyone's vision being blotted out so God's mission can be carried out at the end, just in the structure of the narrative of the movie itself, it does make you go, oh, that's spooky. (laughs) It's spooky spooky on on a number of levels, especially like, I mean, Terry Terry and I, we subscribe to Satanism. So we got to say, I'm not, hail Satan, I can't, I'm not going to speak for Terry. I just, and I don't mean to drag you into my gimmick, Terry. Just, you can say whatever you want, but I'm saying that. Well, I'm going to say hail Satan. (laughs) Fair enough. What I'm saying is that it is extra spooky, this Christian shit, but I can't help but side with fucking, on this level, this theistic weird level, I can't help but side with fucking Adam. I'm with him. Right. He's killing bad people. That fucking dude was a yeah. child molester. That yeah. broad killed some dude for no fucking reason, apparently. That other guy yeah. clearly beats his wife and killed other people. Like, these are shit fucking people. The cop that killed FBI his mother. Agent, that, that young FBI agent was clearly a good guy. Uh, it, according to, you know, cinematography. <laughs> he was, he was exactly. Exactly. 
Therefore, according to Satan, because Satan controls Hollywood. Ask any Christian. You know, uh, the one thing that I see in this a lot is that in the second viewing of this, <coughs> excuse me, poor crimes and haunts us. <laughs> in the second viewing of this, Mike, you see the fact that Adam looks like Matthew McConaughey. He looks like Matthew McConaughey. The first time you watch this, you don't put that together at all. Yeah. But Fenton does not look like fucking Matthew McConaughey. They have different color hair. They have different mm. facial structures mm. completely. But fucking Adam looks just like a little boy fucking Matthew McConaughey, toehead fucking white kid. You know? Yeah. Yep. I have to say one thing. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just this movie. I've seen plenty of Matthew McConaughey movies. And quite honestly, I'm not really... I mean, he's a dickhead on some level, but we don't have to get into that like on a personal level. But he's been in some really good movies. He's a good actor. I like that. Oh, yeah. True detective. True detective. Fantastic. Fucking incredible. Fucking incredible. But... That motherfucker in this movie specifically, I don't recall any other movie other than this one. He looks like he has a dip in his mouth the entire movie. Mm. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that is, but it's bugged me. I mean, I kid you not, since the first time I watched this movie, I've been like, this motherfucker looks like, does he have a dip in his mouth? And then I watched the whole shit, and I'm like, he just looks that way the whole time. He's catching flies. And he's got a dip in his mouth like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. it looks like he's fucking dipping. And he's fucking chewing tobacco. <laughs> you know? It's so fucking weird, man. Anyway. Mm. Um, it's just part, it's all a part of the trick, I think. It's all it's all diversion. Uh, this guy can't be that clever enough to pull off the... It could, but it could be sure. like a diversion to pull off the usual suspects, cozy size a uh, routine at the end as well. This guy's too dumb to pull off something like this. I don't know, just a theory. I'm not mad at that. Um, I think that that's part of the deal. That That's yeah. what lends itself to the theistic part of it, of God's going to protect me. I'm a dumb dumb. He, mm-hmm. He's a little mm-hmm. kid and getting away with it, and then he's now the sheriff of the tiny-ass town and yeah. still walking into the fucking FBI headquarters yeah. and yeah. getting away with murdering the lead detective on his brother's serial murder case, mm-hmm. it, it lends mm-hmm. itself to the dumb, dumb theistic part of it, which is all the more creepy. You know what I mean? It's it, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that whole line of thank God for small towns with his secretary wife in the background um, playing her part of the ruse as well. That was a nice little touch. Once and, you've seen it play out at the end, yeah. And honestly, the whole the fact that she's pregnant for whatever reason didn't dawn on me. Until like the third or fourth time I watched this movie, and I realized carrying on a family tradition. It's that's what it is. It's some Hank Williams shit. That's what it is. We're handing it down. Oh, by the way, this is totally out of left field. Anybody that likes country music, that likes Hank Williams Sr. Maybe you don't like Hank Williams Jr. I get that. Not very many people do. Most of you like Hank three because he fucking rules. Terry doesn't because he's dumb. But. Hank four, <laughs> Hank four, Hank three has a son now doing music and it fucking rules. It's so good. Anyway, 
I'm sorry, Terry. I, I feel bad I said that. You're not dumb. No, I'm special, we, asshole. We just dis no, we just disagree on Hank three, and I still think you're out of line for that. But um, you want to get into gimmicks? Absolutely. Yeah, I'll see thing, man. Okay. Um, let's go. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna set this one off with a bit of violence. I'm gonna set it off because I feel that this movie doesn't have a ton of graphic violence. It's very much like I described the, the, when, when uh, we talked about uh, Murder Party. Remember in that movie, they strategically mm -hmm. kept all the stuff at the corner of the camera. They do that in this one a little bit as well. Um, they show the killer swinging the axe, but don't show the violence. They don't show gore. Um, that being said, I have to, I mean, there is a couple of times where they show some heavy violence, but that means I have to track it down to my favorite murder. So I'm going victim number two. Um, the child molester getting fucking murdered in the basement oh, makes yeah. me, that one makes me mm -hmm. smile. It mm -hmm. makes me smile, a real smile, as though it were a real thing happening every single time. It's victim number two in the basement all day. Fuck yeah. yeah. Not, mad at, I think, not mad at that. I think I'm going to go right before that because I think my favorite part is him actually getting hit with the pipe in the parking lot. You know? Okay. Like right before where he's like, oh, I'll help you find your dog. Yes. And all of a sudden, Bill Paxson's with like, Fucking pipe across the face, dude. Pow. I love yeah. it. Just one pop, dude. I love it. I love it. Satisfying, definitely. I'll just reiterate uh, my bit of violent was uh, based on my surprise at Adam killing Brad at the end. Yeah, with the axe. Sure. Just that was masterfully set up on camera. Whether you what like whether you see it or not, you gotta jump in surprise. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I was gonna be mad if someone didn't say that. Like, you know what I mean? Like that was one probably the most brilliant and well set up pieces yeah. of violence in this entire fucking movie. But my personal favorite just happened yeah, to I get be that. watching this fucking child molester lose his fucking head. I get For that. For sure, man. I get, yeah, I can't argue. All that. right. Argue that. Well done, gentlemen. Um Jabba Royale. Mm -hmm. I had a thing. I I if you if you look at my notes, I have names crossed off and then rewritten and then crossed off and then rewritten. Like it's it's like a Simpsons joke, my fucking page on this. Um, but I finally decided on it. Matthew McConaughey's wife, the sheriff's pregnant wife. Okay. Yeah. Or FBI agent's mother. <laughs> Ooh, didn't see that coming. I like it. Now, uh, if, uh, now, now, wait a minute. I, I'll jump. If you guys are not ready to go, I'll jump in because I'm ready to prepare a backstory for this. Yeah. If you have a backstory, fucking make the case, man. I have to assume that your man Powers Booth didn't just murder his mother for no fucking reason at all. She's got to be a hard ass. I'm going to ridicule... She's got to be Gary Ridgway's mother. She's got to be like, I'm ridiculing you. You're a fucking horrible piece of shit. You pissed the bed. Fucking, you're a filthy little beast beating this motherfucker. She probably beat the fuck out of his father a few times when he came home too drunk and couldn't handle his fucking... He couldn't actually fight that particular night. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
I feel, but mm. she's definitely an abused woman. She's definitely got some trauma that led her to this point of getting murdered, right? She, <laughs> so the sheriff's wife, I feel like she's floating underneath God's gimmick and fucking she's pregnant and she's got the, the sheriff who's super fucking anointed by God, whatever. She yeah. ain't anointed by God. She's anointed by God's guy's semen. End of list. That bitch can go down. I'm going with mom. I'm going with fucking FBI agents. Mom fucks that brought up. All right, man. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think God holds his semen a pretty high value, dude. You know, like he put it into that one virgin that one time, and then we got the Jeebus. So I'm thinking that if this, if this man has been anointed by God, and he is really like God's hands here in this world, that Adam and his dad were all God's hands, and they are really doing the Lord's work, then that fucking, she is really doing the Lord's work too, man. And she got fucking God on her side because she's got that fucking baby in her. And you know she's going to die as soon as she gives birth so she can keep that tradition alive too. But still, she will fucking, as long as she's still pregnant, she got God on her side. And she got to fucking have to give birth to that baby boy. She's going to die right immediately after childbirth. There's no way she's, like, making it to a month and a half with this kid. In oh, okay. So, like, Sugar Hill Gang, this is that super sperm. And she's she's going to do it. Going to do it. Going to do it, do it, do it. You're saying that she could fucking fight because she has a fucking seven-month-old fucking god sperm in her belly fuck yeah dude she's got like the mario superstar and it's gonna run out eventually but as of right now there ain't okay i'm surprised you're siding with god's sperm over the mother that spawned a demon i i mean i think you need to fucking get your affairs in order sir Can I get? Can I please get the fucking uh, the Baron's opinion on this? You have presented incredibly layered and excellent cases for both of your workers in the ring, gentlemen. This is a difficult one, definitely, definitely. Um, because I see both sides of the argument absolutely like uh, with um, the FBI agents, Power Booth's mother there. It's almost like um, a Norman Bates's mother level there. Yeah, I imagine he was yeah. uh, made up into little girl dresses <laughs> as well Whoa. as a child. But did yep. you see how beefy she was? She's fucking burly. She looks like a, mm-hmm. one of those glow brats, like from the mm-hmm. early 80s. Yeah, absolutely. Ladies of huh? wrestling, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, the glow reference, love it. Um, ooh, and so there was definitely some abuse, um, placed onto powers, uh, to lead to that point for a man to kill his own mother. That does take a lot, that does take a lot, definitely. I hear what you're saying, Reverend, though, with the um, you know, carrying on the sacred sperm there as well. Um, she is going to fight uh, to keep that tradition going. Uh, but the deciding factor, though, 
I have to side in this fantastical wrestling world with the dark side. I have to <laughs> go with the demons here and give it to the FBI agent's mother purely based on my own preference. But I do a you know, fine argument, no doubt there, Reverend. A tough call. This is a WrestleMania job. This is the match before the, the match before the main event of WrestleMania with these two, definitely. This these two workers are on the way to the main roster. We called this fucking gimmick, we called this fucking segment Jobber Royale. This is a legitimate Jobber Royale. Mm, like, these guys are making it from NXT up to Raw or SmackDown. This, <laughs> these right. two, definitely. This cool. is that was good. right before SummerSlam 82. Like, this is... <laughs> nice. <laughs> fucking, I mean, here's the thing. Terry, I'm with you, buddy. Like, I'm really with you on this fucking logic. But the fact that you have the, you have, this is literally Lilith, the mother of a demon. <laughs> no, 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 no. She's just a random demon on a fucking, she's just the mom of a random demon on a list off of a bunch of demons. As far as we know. Fucking Matthew McConaughey just fucking knocked up Mother Mary, and then that's the next process in the fucking the God's hand. God's hand. Okay. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. By that logic, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. So now it's an old grizzled broad who raised a super tough FBI agent who is a fucking merciless murderer over some broad that just sits at a desk and got pregnant. Are you out of your fucking mind? That broad is just going get, to annihilate that woman in. and that baby. She's going to break her teeth out of her head and kick her down the stairs and fucking stomp on her fucking belly when he gets when she gets down there, which no, will take no, her no, 10 no, minutes. No, 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 no. You're, you're, you're demeaning my fucking player in the game, man. She didn't just get pregnant she got railed by fucking matthew mcconaughey no no no, no. god's mm -hmm. hands god no hands. man you took it like, to a human you know level. what this is this is the mm -hmm. way that fucking god's hands are gonna fucking impregnate you he didn't even this is how fucking mother mary became a virgin and became pregnant as a virgin he jacked <laughs> off into his own fucking fist right and then shoved it right up her and fucking impregnated her Therefore, she's still a fucking virgin, and she's been inseminated by God's hands. God's hands. You see, the first scenario was all demons and angels and heavenly gimmicks, and we were going with magic powers. The second one was, was human-level, white trash, an old lady fighting a pregnant woman at the laundromat level. And you you went you reverted back to fucking angelic bullshit to win the fight. I'm sorry, no, I'm not. I'm not having that. Old old fucking broad FBI agent mom wins in both fights, and your argument on the second one is offensive. Okay, <laughs> it's a dark. Okay. It's a dark okay. show. That's a dark match you have. I got there. one yeah. more. I got one more. One God more damn it! Out. Come on, Terry. <laughs> all right. All right. FBI Fine. agent, that's the mom. That's the mom. She raised the kid. She raised the kid. So she made a tough-ass kid because she's a tough-ass woman. That's fine. 
pregnant girl, she's married to a cop. That means she's panda face fucking six out of seven days of the week, man. She can take a punch. I hate this. <laughs> that, that's pretty funny. <laughs> that's pretty fucking funny. Uh, and th- hey, this is... Oh, I yeah? know totally out of the loop. And this is, I know we're talking to Australia here, but Derek Chauvin got 20 fucking five years for that fucking, for murdering George Floyd this morning. Five, yes, fucking good to hear, people. Fucking good to hear, absolutely. Anyway, so we fucking right. should, and yeah. So, Jabba Royale, despite Terry's floundering and fighting on this, is fucking um, is the mom like cornet over this racket outside the ring. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> enough biz references. So, okay, ranking anybody, yes. uh, Terry. Go ahead. How do you rank this movie? Disease and out of 10. Uh, disease, I'm going with cognitive dissonance because for some reason Ooh. people aren't like exactly. Nice. They're not accepting this movie for the masterpiece that it fucking is. And you literally have to be, you have to be perfect purposely stupid to not appreciate what a masterpiece this film is you know so uh i'm going with cognitive dissonance for our disease i'm gonna go a solid eight just because there's not as much gore that i would want but it's super intelligent and it's super creepy and it hits uh filmography wise it's just beautiful all right you want to go there? Uh, you want to go yes. there, Barry? We'll finish off with yourself there being your pick there, uh, Commander, so I'll certainly go next. Um, ailment, I guess it is. Uh, it is hemorrhoids going along with my shit-stain theme from last <laughs> last episode, Murder Party, <laughs> the explosive diary. I'm throwing this one to hemorrhoids because um, it's uncomfortable. But you'll know you'll get through it. But it makes you focus throughout, yeah? And once it's done, it is done. But you're always going to be looking over your shoulder the next time. You know what I mean? This film makes you look over your shoulder. Many things. Uh, religious fervor, uh, mental disease, uh, the loss of innocence within the family sphere. And also makes you check for, the, you know, just makes you check everything's all good uh, next time before you flush. Yeah, if you, um, you see the parallels I'm making there. Fucking oh, hell, that's pretty good. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Hemorrhoids. And I am giving it... Ooh, does he go the whole way? Does he go the whole way? Yeah, fuck it. Why not? Um, I'm giving it a nine out of ten. I was very impressed. I was very impressed. This is right up my alley as well in terms of the American gothicness of this. That's a perfect uh, way to, yeah, sum it up there, everything that is involved. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go back and basically cover Bill Paxton's filmography after watching this. Definitely rest in peace again, if I may, certainly. Absolutely. Commander. Uh, I'm going to go. Um, I, I almost feel bad about this. Um, somebody that I care a great deal about has this disorder. Um, and my therapist is in the midst of finding out if I fit in this category as well. But 
I'm going to go ahead and call this depersonalization disorder. Okay. And that is because you get removed and pulled back in over and over and over again from this fucking thing. And you are not sure what's going on. And you lose track of who is who and what is what. This is depersonalization disorder all day. And that's not to trivialize what I've just, you know, that disorder. It's fucking brutal. Mm. But um, losing and finding yourself again in this in a horrific manner is what this movie is. Um, and I'm going to give it a nine as well. Um, I kind of want to give it a nine five. I actually want to give it a 10. I just love it. I love this movie, but there is some overacting and actually there is admitted overacting by several people that were in this movie. They're like, yeah, we might've OD'd a little bit. Um, if it weren't for that, if it were for, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it would take to make this a perfect movie, but there's, obvious chinks in the armor just mm. where it takes me out of it a little bit mm. um but this is a this is perfect storytelling it's a brilliant script it's well done it's the best one of the best debuts of a director i've ever seen in my life nine solid nine all day fantastic rest in fantastic. peace Bill Paxton. rest in yeah. peace powers booth Everybody go watch fucking this movie and Tombstone today. Nice. Gentlemen, do you have anything else to say before we uh, sign off? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll just fucking wrap it up here and say thanks for uh, doing this again with me, guys. It's always a fucking pleasure. And thanks to everyone that's been listening to us. Um, we have more stuff on the way. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this first series of 10 or 11 that we've released so far. And uh, we're going to keep doing this until someone shoots us because we say something fucked up. I don't know. <laughs> Probably blasphemy. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. To uh, dovetail what Reverend's saying there, thanks to the people who have been listening, who have given us uh, positive feedback um, on the episodes that we have done so far. This is episode number 12. Yeah, so let's just keep this good thing going, definitely. And uh, yeah, Commander, back to you. Uh, I want to thank my co-hosts very much for doing this with me. I enjoy doing this with you very, very much. Um, I really have a good, I have a good time on all of them, but I especially enjoy doing this one that means a lot to me with you guys and spreading the fucking disease that, uh, is my, my film palette amongst everyone else. Um, please go and listen to, uh, the cinema Baron's other podcast, the cinema uh, Baron. It's a cinema Baron, right? It's called the, the cinema salon. Cinema Salon, that's right. I'm, I apologize. And if you motherfuckers are hip, go and listen to No One Likes Us, where me and yes. Terry school you on yes. everything true crime and punk rock related and gang related, and we'll fucking punch your teeth out of your mouth if you've got a fucking problem with it. Um, thank you for listening to Man Bites Pod. This is another one in the books. Good night, Shaman Parash, and Bon Appetit, Cineastis. Where 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. 